Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, welcome back to the Ohioan. I'm here with Rachel Coyle uh, from How Things Work at the Ohio State House. How are you doing today, Rachel? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me back. Oh, no problem. No problem at all. Uh, let's talk a little bit about education. Um, you know, we've been talking about state budgets. Uh, we've been talking about how those work. Uh, definitely check out last week's uh, podcast when we had uh, Rachel on because she did a good explanation of why she care about the state budget. It helped me. I'm sure it'll help you a lot out there as well. But one of the proposals they have for education is kind of interesting. They're talking about these state tests. And I know that's become a big issue last year because of COVID. Um, you know, we really didn't have state tests. And there's a couple of Republicans saying, hey, we shouldn't do state testing this year either. Uh, what are you hearing about this? Yeah, so there's a bill in the House. It's House Bill 67. It's two Republicans on this bill saying that okay. we should. Uh, so right now in Ohio, we have more tests than the federal minimum. Ohio requires more than the, the feds do. So this bill would cancel the state mandated tests because of COVID, because of kids trying to deal with all the different types of education we're going through right now. Um, and it would ask for a waiver for the federal tests as well. Uh, and there is controversy there because the Senate president, uh, who's also a Republican, is not in favor of this plan. So it's kind of Republican versus Republican right now. You know, if if we were in high school and you told me this, I would be like, yes, great. I don't like tests. No more tests. What do you think is the argument against this, though? Um, because obviously there's a value in that test, you know, as we're adults looking back at it. Uh, what's the argument for having more tests? So the, the Senate president believes that we need the tests in order to judge where students are in terms of figuring out, you know, benchmarks for what they need to learn, especially after a chaotic year. The counter argument to that is that we would do better to, you know, we already have ways of telling the teachers can tell, the schools can tell based on the performance on schoolwork, where the kids are and what they need. And after this crazy 2020 that we've all been through, uh, what kids really need is more time to actually learn the material rather than the stress of trying to memorize something to write down on a test. Yeah, and also speaking of that, um, Governor Dwine, he was looking at up to $2 billion for education. And I thought Tuesday's press conference was interesting because he pretty much said it. I mean, it was a blunt assessment saying, hey, schools, tell me where you're at. And he was throwing out all kinds of ideas and everything else. It sounds like that's going to be a really test for the governor as he gets in the selection process and whoever the next governor may, may be. How hard do you think it's going to be to get education wrangled up? Because it's really nobody's fault. It's just more trying to react to COVID. And it sounds like, I mean, at least you got two years of, 
different types of school years for the kids. It's hard to know where some of these kids are at, period, in general. It should be interesting to see how, how we get that back on track. It is. It's going to be, you know, we went through a whole year of changes and different kids in different parts of the state were having completely different experiences. Some schools were completely virtual. Some have been back in person for a while now. Some have been doing kind of a mix of both. So the, in my personal opinion, you know, right now, making kids take standardized tests when they've all been having such wildly different experiences for the past year probably won't be the best way to gauge what they've been going through and what they've actually learned. Yeah, and it goes back to, you know, the whole thought of, I mean, I'm 46. I didn't have as many standardized tests mm-hmm. I, that I'm sure these kids have now. It, it, you know, how helpful are they? Yeah, it's just interesting to see where everybody's at. And you're right, too. Every school has a different philosophy on how they've handled COVID, too. So, yeah, it, it would be very interesting. Um, do you think it's going to be hard for schools to kind of adapt to what DeWine's asking for? Because in theory, what he's saying is good. I mean, he cares about education. But I think the execution of it may be tough because that's a big ask that he's giving everybody. Yeah. And there's, man, there's so many things going on with education this year. We're trying to also figure out how to fund the schools in a completely different way. And all of that has to happen while we're having these conversations about, you know, making up for this past year of of chaos and getting everybody back into school by March. Um, That connects to how we vaccinate the teachers and the staff and the students going back into schools. So it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see, you know, how the school's and school districts are able to handle all that. You're right. I even think back to uh, when Amy Acton was health director, she talked about, hey, after COVID's over, how do we adapt as a society? So it's not just saying, how do we get by and how do we survive? But like, there's some things that we might learn that could help us as we get out of it. I'm wondering how much of that could be applied to the schools because we're doing education a completely different way by necessity because of COVID. It'll be interesting to see what things can be adapted. And I think we're going to learn those lessons probably next year or so. Yes, I'm hopeful that one thing we will be able to keep and expand is the use of some of this broadband internet and online education tools. Obviously, you know, hopefully we'll be back in the schools after COVID, uh, but maybe there's things we've learned about how to do online education better and more effectively that can be kind of implemented and, and used as tools for education in the future. That would be great. Yeah, that'll definitely be interesting. Um, monies wise, um, two billion. How, how do you think that goes with everything else in the budget? Is it attainable? You think, or is that? I mean, how does that go with everything else we need to pay for? It? In terms of how much the governor wants to spend on education? Yeah, because obviously education is good. I mean, we'd be silly if we say, oh, kind of defund the educational schools or anything like that. But right. then on the other hand, I mean, obviously there's a ton of things. I mean, we could talk 10 different podcasts about uh, things that definitely are needed with us getting out of COVID and everything else. So I, I guess uh, the question I have is, how, how do you think that $2 billion is going to apply to everything else that needs to be funded? Is that too much? Do you think we need more there? So to be honest with you, I wouldn't put a ton of stake into uh, the governor's education plan in his budget proposal because he did not tackle the uh, education funding reform fight. And he said in his announcement that he was going to leave that up to the legislature. So his proposal that he laid out uh, is is more of a basic, this is the general amount of money that we want to have 
for this for education, but it did not uh, set out the, the system that we know is going to be a huge uh, piece of controversy for the budget fight. So I imagine that the money connected to education and where it goes and how it's allocated is all going to change completely over the next couple months as that uh, the governor's proposal is turned into a bill and then actually changed in the state house. And obviously, we don't know how the state's going to react or decide. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that would leave potentially more money or it could mean less money? I mean, I guess it depends on how the state house decides to move forward on this, right? Sure. And, you know, in my opinion, we should fund education first and as a priority. I always think there should be more money in education than Ohio puts into it. Um, there's also a big fight over whether or not our public schools and charter schools should be funded with the same pot of money or if that should be two different funds. So that will be an interesting uh, issue coming up this year as well. If we, you know, if that two billion goes almost entirely towards the public schools, if they have to split it evenly, how that all works. How's that fight last night? We haven't talked about this, so you might be surprised. Uh, in a past life, when I used to be in marketing, I actually worked for a charter school that was kind of controversial. They was a for-profit charter school. I did public relations for them probably about 15 years ago now. How's that fight continued? I mean, I know always the public school charter school has been, been a big battle. Uh, is there another fight landing on there? Because I know there was a huge army especially with the companies that chose to pursue for-profit education. There was a lot of questions about, is that right or everything? Uh, is that still a big issue now in the state house? It absolutely is. I think it should be bigger. A um, couple years back, we had a massive, as you mentioned, a scandal involving a, the largest for-profit charter school in the state, uh, ECOT. I'm sure folks have heard that term. Yes. Uh, yes. And where you know that money was being funneled from the education fund into what we learned was the pockets of the guy who owned the place uh, and so there is a real there's a real movement still even though it's not talked about as much to reform our uh, charter school operations and the way that they're making sure kids are actually getting the education that they deserve if they attend these schools um, especially connected to the online charter schools uh, there's different regulations for the schools, uh, public versus charter. There's different methods of testing attendance uh, and, and money follows the student. So if a student is not attending, theoretically, the online charter school would not be receiving as much funding uh, for that student, although we know from the past that that has been an issue. So that is all absolutely all those different issues connected to public and charter schools are still on the table, still being talked about. They're just not in the news as often since we've had that uh that big scandal a couple of years back. Well, and actually, I worked for another place. You can probably guess. There was probably about two companies involved, and I worked for another place, and so much political dollars, you know, from teachers' unions, uh, the guy that ran the place I worked for, I can tell you after we closed today, uh, he was a humongous Republican donor. So it's interesting to see all the political money that's been going through with that. I think, too, it's going to be interesting. I have some sources. It hasn't become official yet, but I'm hearing that more schools are actually in public the public school um, stage are offering online education ongoing. I mean, after COVID's done, they're doing that. And I'm wondering, too, if that's going to help fight off some of the pressures of that make online schools so appealing for some people. Because even after COVID's done, some people are like, eh, I'd rather not go I'd do the in-school in learning. But if these public schools are offering online offerings, that might, you know, take some of the luster off the going to a charter school to do that. So it'd be interesting to see how public schools are responding to this challenge. Yes. And we know that some students do well in online situations or they need that different type of learning situation based on their, their home life. 
Uh, so it's great if the public schools can offer something like that. Uh, the problem we've always seen has been when money comes into play. So when charter schools are run by for-profit entities, that is the issue. So you're absolutely right. I think if the public schools can offer that online option, that might be the best of both worlds. Yeah, and the other thing I'm wondering about is kind of interesting. Um, so overall, what do you think, if you can put your prediction hat on for a second, what do you think is going to end up happening here? Because like you said, there's a ton of stuff going on. If you listen to us for the past couple of weeks, we're drawing redistricting borders. I mean, we're, we're doing everything over the past next you know couple months, and who knows what challenges COVID throws us. So there's a million things going on. What's realistic in what happens with schools? Because you're right, there's a ton to do, and there's a ton of goals. There's a ton of things to be nice. I'm not sure if really physically everyone has the time to do it because who knows what's going to happen with COVID in the next couple of months. What do you think is a realistic goal for them to get accomplished in education in the next few months? Yeah, it's going to be a huge, you know, they're going to have to basically reassess what students learned, if anything, from the past year. There's going to be kids who are just due to home situations and COVID experiences are going to be almost a year behind. And so it really is a time for, it's going to be a challenge for teachers and educators to work with parents to try and catch everybody up. Uh, reasonable expectations would probably be just, you know, getting us to a point where we know that kids are back feeling comfortable in their learning environment and starting to pick back up, uh, which really, again, is why personally I'd be a fan of at least putting off those tests, if not canceling them for this year. Yeah, it seems like if everything going on, it, it seems to be a simple request. So mm -hmm. it'll be interesting how that shakes out. When do you think will be a deadline in them deciding that particular thing? I mean, so they just like, when do they have to act? Yeah. Right. I believe it was the first hearing today uh, for that House Bill 67. It sounds like it's got more support in the House than in the Senate. So it may end up moving through the House pretty fast uh, and then we'll get stuck in the Senate. The bill has until the end of 2022 to become law uh, before okay. the bill would die. So they've got some time, but uh, we'll okay. have to see how fast it moves. Yeah, it may move a little bit quicker, you know, with COVID. I think it may just depend on where we stand at the end of March and April. I know those two are, are key months, and, you know, it seems to be a unified cause. I mean, you know, President Biden, once kids get back to school, that was always the thing that, you know, former President Trump was fighting for. I'm sure there's a big difference in how they would try to get kids back to school. But, yeah, it's interesting to see how that all shakes out. Well, very good. Well, I appreciate this. It's good to catch up on education and, Man, there's going to be a million things to talk about. So if yes. if I ever call you and say, hey, come on, but we have nothing to talk about, please yell at me. Because you're like, no, there's a lot of things we can talk about here. All right, well, remind us, how do we connect with you on Twitter and, and the Facebook group that you guys have? Yes, I run a group called How Things Work at the Ohio State House. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at How Things Work OH, uh, both, both platforms. All right, well, fantastic. We'll see you back next week. Um, it's just a no, we're taping these on Thursday, so we'll try to release this on Friday for everybody. And, you know, thanks as always, Rachel, and everybody, thanks for listening to Ohio, and we'll catch you soon. Have a great one.